The Beamer Ball identity has been really good for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program over the last two years. But the Gamecocks are reaching a point where it is time to evolve beyond Beamer Ball. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI. Thank you so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. I don't want to be misinterpreted when I talk about Beamer Ball on today's show. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, Beamer Ball has been quite phenomenal for Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks over the first two years of Shane Beamer's tenure. And I'm going to dive into that in a little bit more detail in just a moment. But beginning in 2023, Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program need to create an offensive or defensive identity that goes beyond Beamer ball. Let me explain real quick. South Carolina's Beamer Ball identity has been great for them in multiple different ways. First of all, obviously, Shane Beamer's special teams units here in Columbia, or Pete Lumbo's special teams units, have been some of the best that Gamecock fans have ever seen. It has brought genuine excitement to Williams-Brice Stadium. It has made South Carolina more nationally recognizable over the past two years. It's helped the Gamecocks win several games against Georgia State, Texas A&M, Clemson. It dang near won them the game against Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. It has played a pivotal role in helping Shane Beamer and his staff lay the foundation for the future of this program. There is no denying that. However, in my opinion, beginning this year, South Carolina has got to start evolving beyond having Beamer Ball as the sole identity of this football program. Here's a question I want to ask all of you real quick and answer this to yourself. Do you think that the status quo right now is good enough to where South Carolina over time eventually could make it to or win an SEC title or appear in the college football playoff. Essentially, do you think Beamer Ball is good enough right now to get South Carolina to a championship or help them contend for a championship? The answer to that, in my opinion, is no. South Carolina has to either get their offense or their defense to catch up to their special teams. Think of the perennial contenders right now in the sport of college football. The Georgia Bulldogs... They primarily are known for their staunch defensive play. The Ohio State Buckeyes are known for their high-flying offense. The Michigan Wolverines, they're known for having a really strong ground game and the physicality that they bring up front on both sides of the football. South Carolina has got to have something beyond a unit that typically accounts for for 5-12% to 12% of the snaps played in a game. Don't get me wrong. Kai Kroger, Mitch Jeter, all these guys that have been a 
big part of these special teams units. They have all meant something in a lot of games for South Carolina. But you're not going to get that every single week. And it's certainly not correct thinking, in my opinion, to think that that is going to get you to Atlanta. That it's going to get you to the college football playoff by itself. So, for the next little bit, I want to talk about an offensive identity and a defensive identity that South Carolina could maybe look to adapt. The different identities that they could look at. And the pros and cons of each one. Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. In terms of developing an offensive identity, the positive here is that there's more flexibility as to what kind of specific identity that you want for your team. Because offense, at the end of the day, is how you attack your opponent. You do not have to adapt continuously throughout a football game like a defense has to. So on offense, clearly... The biggest offensive identity that people would point to right now is having a really big passing game. Now, what's a passing game going to do for you? Well, that's going to attract more skill position talent from the high school ranks. You're going to be able to bring in more highly touted quarterbacks, more highly touted wide receivers, and tight ends specifically. You're also going to be able to get a ton of talent out of the transfer portal. Look at what Lane Kiffin has done at Ole Miss over the last couple years. Am I saying that that's sustainable? Not necessarily. But you cannot deny the man continuously gets some of the best offensive talent out of the portal because of what the Rebels have got going on that side of the ball. Think about quarterbacks now from the high school ranks. They are now essentially another recruiter for these coaching staffs. Look at what Dante Reno has done For the 2024 cycle for South Carolina. And trying to get others to join him. And the rest of these commits in the current class. Also. Having a really good offense or passing attack specifically. It keeps fans more interested in what all's going on. Quite frankly. You see higher revenue when it comes to ticket sales. You see more coverage from a regional and national standpoint. Now you can also have a really high emphasis on your running game. And if that's the case, you're likely to land more running backs and offensive linemen. This can put a different but equal level of stress on your opponent. In essence, your opponent all of a sudden has to up the ante in terms of their physicality that they have. You can end up wearing them out quicker. It creates less time for an opponent's offense to be able to do something which just adds even more pressure to the opposing defense. Now, the negative with having an offensive identity is that more often than not, at least one person, somebody, is going to be a touch disgruntled about not getting the football enough. You typically have about five or six skill position players, or I guess quote-unquote combo players, if you're including tight ends there, on the field at one time. Clearly, not every person can touch the football on every single play. Some guys are just flat not going to get as many targets as others. That can eventually lead to some people being unhappy about their supposed role in an offense. And if one person gets disgruntled enough, or even worse, multiple guys are upset about their role in an offense, then that's when you can start running into issues with that side of the ball. It can permeate out to the rest of the team, and it can create some serious problems in the locker room, some hidden issues that the fans, nor pundits and analysts, can see happening. 
And so when you go with an offensive identity, you really are going with a boomer bust type of mentality. But that is why some of these offensive coaches have been quite successful or at the minimum have their team contending in the majority of the games that they play. Now, in just a couple moments, we're going to switch things over to the defensive side of the ball and talk about the positive and the negative behind having an identity that surrounds your defense. And then we're going to relate all this back to South Carolina right now. What identity are they possibly leaning towards? And what could be the potential consequences of South Carolina not developing an identity beyond Beamer Ball over the coming years? We're going to dive into all that in just a few moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. But first, today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs have got the best shorts out there, y'all. Let's just be honest. I mean, if you know a friend or you know a family member that's got bird dogs, you don't even really need to ask them. Trust me, you see bird dogs just about everywhere you go nowadays because bird dogs, they're comfortable. People like to wear them everywhere that they go, whether it's to the gas station, maybe it's the grocery store, maybe they're going out to eat, and they look pretty stylish. And the thing is, if you go to birddogs.com slash college and enter the promo code college today, you get a free custom Yeti-style tumbler with your order. You know what we all like? We like free things. And if you like free things, then you should go to birddogs.com right now. Again, birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. I promise you, once you put bird dogs on for the first time, you're never going to want to take them off. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. A real quick thank you to all of you every day for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. On tomorrow's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, we're going to dive into what some of my co-workers from around the Locked On Podcast Network think about the current state of South Carolina's football program. Where do they think the program is heading and what questions do they have about the team heading into 2023? We'll be sure to dive into all that tomorrow. But as for today's show, let's talk about having a defensive identity now. The positive about having a defensive identity, when things are going as good as they can, There's a real sense of overall camaraderie that becomes difficult for opponents to break. Now, what exactly do I mean by that? Well, my point here is I think it's a lot easier for players to make superhuman type plays by themselves on offense than it is on defense. Essentially, on defense especially, you need all 11 guys to do their role. And when things are clicking, that leads to a true unity on that side of the football. And you see that trickle down to the recruiting ranks. You can look at Georgia, for example. They've gotten a few really good defensive prospects on that side of the ball, and they end up getting more and more players. And the thing is, those guys, they welcome each and every one of them into the class. They're not upset about the possibility of having more competition. They look at it as they've got even more talented teammates to play alongside them so that when their time comes, they're a lot less worried about what else is going on around them. 
And the best example recently is, honestly, Georgia Bulldogs defense from 2021 and 2022. Now, am I saying that South Carolina's defense has to reach that kind of level for them to win a national championship? No. Would it hurt? No. <laughs> but the point being here is that when everybody is in sync with one another on defense, it is something truly to behold, especially if you're a football purist and you look just beyond sort of the numbers on the stat sheet and what all happens on the offensive side of the ball. Now, there is a negative here when having a defensive identity in your program. And that negative is this. When a coach knows that they have a good defense or said coach has a long history with that side of the football, they can become overly reliant on that unit to win them football games. Despite the fact that defenses are usually asked to be more reactive than proactive in a lot of these games, it could cause the coach to become overly conservative. And we see this play out every single year, whether it is maybe a South Carolina game every once in a while or some other games that take place with other programs. For South Carolina, we could take a look back at Will Muschamp in 2018 and what he did against the Florida Gators which was quite frankly, looking back at it, coaching malpractice. South Carolina was up 31 to 17 or 31 to 14, maybe against the Gators with 19 and a half minutes left in the game. And Will Muschamp essentially called off the dogs on offense and the offensive side of the ball just started to run the ball twice and then throw the ball once and then punt and then repeat that cycle. The rest of the game, South Carolina wound up losing 35 to 31. Look at what Kirby Smart at Georgia did between the years of 2016 and 2019. He relied so heavily on his run game and the defense and, quite frankly, just the sheer talent on the roster that, sure, most of the time it worked out for Georgia. They won at the end of the day and they moved on. However, it eventually caught up to them more often than not at some point. It was holding the program back which is why you saw him go out there and bring in a guy like Todd Munkin in 2020. And we all saw what kind of effect that had on the Georgia Bulldogs football program. Here's another thing. Coaches that lean into a defensive mentality too much, they overemphasize taking care of the football on offense. Now, obviously, every coach wants their offense to protect the football and not just give it away on every other drive. But when you emphasize it so much with your quarterback it can cause them to not want to take risk it can cause them to start to overthink things too much they could lose confidence in taking chances and you don't want that as a head coach that's where you start to see diminishing returns so i've been over offensive and defensive identities and what are the pros and cons of each now let's take this whole conversation back to shane beamer and south carolina here is there any kind of identity right now that Shane Beamer and South Carolina is heading towards? Well, honestly, it's hard to say. But if you pay attention to recruiting, it does seem like that Shane Beamer and the staff are putting an emphasis on the line of scrimmage. That this coaching staff, at the minimum, they want to be known for having a lot of talent and a lot of physicality up on the lines of scrimmages. What other team in this division has that same kind of mindset? The Kentucky Wildcats. And I get it. None of us really are big fans of Kentucky. Obviously, there was the whole thing with stupid sunglasses and dancing this past year that 
I know a lot of Gamecock fans have poked fun at with Kentucky this offseason, but you got to give Kentucky and Mark Stoops a lot of credit. That identity that they have built and they've established in Lexington, it's led to some of their best seasons in program history and even a couple of close second-place finishes in the Eastern Division. you got to give them props for that. And it seems like that Shane Beamer and his staff, they have kind of the same philosophy in terms of the last scrimmages are where they're going to change things. You look at the defensive line. Obviously, they're bringing in guys like an Xavier McLeod, a Desumeo Zulu, a Elijah Davis. And then on offense, you look at Marquis Anderson coming into play, Oluwatson Babalade, Big Tree, Josiah Thompson, Cam Pringle. That's not even all the guys on either side of the football there. This staff... They're looking at the lines of scrimmage. So that means that they could maybe have an emphasis on having a strong run game in the future on offense or strong physical defensive play or maybe just wanting to have a real presence in terms of physicality when they play their opponents. So that leads me to my final question with this entire conversation. How could a lack of an identity beyond Beamer Ball hurt South Carolina? Well, I don't think it's necessarily hurting them too much right now. But eventually, if South Carolina does not evolve beyond Beamer Ball in terms of their overall identity, it could eventually cause recruiting to stall and not get past a certain threshold. So maybe South Carolina gets to a point where they can get like top 20, top 18 classes, but they can't crack the top 12 or top 10. You could see that at some point. You could maybe also see how it would be harder to retain players on your roster if you are struggling to literally progress on the field or if, quite frankly, some of the players just don't understand how they're being utilized. They don't see the long-term plan that you have for their side of the football. You kind of already saw that in a certain fashion or to some degree this past offseason with some of the guys that left maybe on offense. I'm not saying that's why everyone left, but you could see that as being at least part of the reason why some of those guys left. My overall point is, without an identity that goes beyond Beamer Ball, at some point, opposing coaches are going to use this against Shane Beamer and the staff in a very negative manner. Essentially, hey, listen, you could go to South Carolina and sure, if you don't make the field in offense or defense, you'll be a great special teamer your first year or two. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, once you get to your junior year and you're ready to actually play some at linebacker or wide receiver or running back, what are they going to do? They haven't established any identity on the other side of the ball. You want to go be a part of that? Or you want to come play for us where you know what you're going to get with us as a staff? Again, right now, I don't think this is a huge issue, but I do think that for Shane Buehr and the staff, they've got to start being proactive here, and they've got to start establishing something to go along, at least with Beamer Ball, in terms of an overall team identity, because if they don't, I think in the future, it could eventually catch up to them. And that is certainly a potential worst-case scenario that South Carolina football fans would not want to see unfold here in Columbia. Okay, so let's reel ourselves back from looking at the future of the football program and now look at the present because South Carolina's football program, we now know who the three player representatives are going to be for the Gamecocks at SEC Media Days in Nashville this next week. And the three player representatives are quarterback Spencer Rattler, defensive tackle Tonka Hemingway, and 
punter Kai Kroger. Now, when reading off all of these names, when thinking about this group of players, the word that comes to my mind is deserving. Each and every single one of these guys deserves to be there for their own reasons. Some players are brought to SEC Media Days because, quite frankly, they're the most talented guys on the football team that they play for. Now, I'm not saying that to say that maybe a guy like Quinshot Juggins for Ole Miss is going to Nashville just simply because he's the best player on that entire football team, which I don't think anybody's going to argue against that point. Quinshawn Juckets could be a guy that's a really good leader for the Rebels, could be a guy that holds people accountable, and because of that, he upholds the standards of Lane Kiffin's football program. I'm not trying to say that that's not the case. However, I just really feel like that when it comes to South Carolina and what we know about these guys, we know that they're deserving. And Shane Beamer... It's very clear by this point, he rewards players for their dedication and loyalty to the football program. Because this is the third straight year that Shane Beamer has brought three seniors with him to SEC Media Days. Or, you know, the third year now out of his entire tenure in Columbia. So it's very clear that each of these guys, again, they all belong in Nashville. Let's start off by talking about Spencer Rattler. This is probably the most telling out of the entire group, but honestly, with everything we've heard this offseason, Rattler, he was going to be a shoe-in to go to Nashville and represent South Carolina. Spencer Rattler has been touted as somebody that has become a more confident quarterback in South Carolina's offense. He's become more confident in his leadership skills. He has exuded a lot more leadership this offseason. That's not to say that he didn't have any leadership skills going into last season. But as Spencer Rattler has mentioned before, he did not want to come into Columbia. He did not want to come into this football program and essentially tell the rest of these guys that this was his football team and whatever he said goes. He was smart enough to understand that this is an entirely different group of players that I'm going to be playing with this next year. New guys that I got to learn about both in terms of what they could do on the field and also just about them as people. And he didn't want to come over there and just have almost this pseudo bravado that, you know, he was just the big man on campus. He didn't want to do that. And he's being rewarded for that now. And he has shown this offseason that, look, you know, he is a guy that can be a leader for your team. He is not that guy that back at Oklahoma, everyone just ripped to shreds and caused a bunch of rumors or stirred a bunch of rumor mills about regarding his personality and how he is as a teammate. Very clear that all that should be tossed to the side now. Plus, it's not going to be a massive media fiasco this season like it would have been last year if he had gone to SEC Media Days. So Spencer Rattler going to Nashville makes a lot of sense here. Let's talk about Kai Kroger. He's an example of what this program has been built on to this point, which is the idea of competing, which obviously exists in every single football program that's worth their salt, but also the fact that everyone on this football team has a chance to be a difference maker in their own way, and that is Beamer Ball right now. And also, Kai Kroger, he's just a really gosh darn good football player. He's been named by multiple preseason outlets as a All-American heading into this season. And he should have been a finalist for the Ray Guy Award. 
I'm not going to dive into all that like I did late last year. But Kai Kroger, he's deserving of this honor because he is the first specialist, as far as I know, to ever attend SEC Media Days as a player representative for an SEC school. That is huge. And it definitely sends a certain recruiting pitch to some of these prospects out there again that, look, some of you are going to come here, and again, you might not play your exact position immediately, but you can contribute in other ways, and eventually you could be rewarded for that. And again, that is definitely a positive Beamer ball, despite what all I've talked about to this point on today's show. So needless to say, good for Kai Kroger. There's going to be a lot of jokes that are going to be made about it, but I think there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be there at SEC Media Days they are going to be impressed by Kai Kroger. They're going to look at his quarterback stats, his passing stats, and they're going to sit there and say, wow, never seen a putter have those kind of numbers. And I think they're going to quickly see why Shane Beamer brought him to Nashville. So Kai Kroger, he's absolutely deserving of going to SEC Media Days. And then how about Tonka Hemingway? Second year in a row, defensive tackle for South Carolina is going to SEC Media Days. Last year, of course, it was Zach Pickens. And now this year, we got another South Carolina Dave going to SEC Media Days to represent the Gamecocks. But this time, it is Tonka Hemingway, a guy that was arguably the biggest breakout player for South Carolina's football team in 2022. Think about this, y'all. In 2021, Tonka Hemingway's final stat line for the season was six total tackles. I kid you not, that was it, without going into all the advanced stats. In 2022, Tonka Hemingway's stats were as follows. 33 total tackles, 8 tackles for loss, 4 sacks, and to top it all off, a special teams touchdown on the ground. Tonka Hemingway was a huge part of South Carolina's 8-win campaign in 2022 because he came in and he didn't just fill in for Alex Boogie Huntley, who unfortunately dealt with a lot of injury issues this past fall. He was a difference maker in South Carolina's defensive front. And again, I think much like Kai Kroger, Tonka Hemingway, he's going to automatically garner some intrigue and attention from some of the media members there in Nashville because, first of all, his first name's Tonka. I mean, that's a conversation starter right then and there. But Tonka Hemingway, I mean, Pete Lempo has lauded him and praised him for how good of a teammate he's been, how much he is willing to do to help out the entire program. Shane Beamer has talked about how much he's progressed on the field over the past couple years since he's been here. Tonka Hemingway, he's just a really good guy. I mean, he's, in my opinion, he he kind of is like Zach Pickens. Not just in the way that he plays, but the fact that, look, he might be a touch soft-spoken with people maybe he doesn't know quite as well. But, I mean, you could just tell he's a he's a good-hearted kid. He's somebody that's willing to do everything he can to help out his team. And I just don't think that you could be someone that dislikes Tonka Hemingway. It's my overall point. So, to go along with what all he did last season, I think that it's really cool that Tonka Hemingway is going to be going to SEC Media Days in a little over a week's time. So with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts about the idea of South Carolina maybe needing to evolve past Beamer Ball, adding to the identity that they've already established 
over the past two years? Do you think it needs to be an offensive identity or defensive identity? Or do you think that they've already established one? And what are your thoughts on the trio of players that's going to be representing the Gamecocks at SEC Media Days in Nashville? Let me know your thoughts on both of those topics down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube. Or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC, and I'll try to respond to your message or your comment as quickly as I see it. Once again, thank you all so much for tuning into today's show. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll be sure to catch you all on the next show of the Locked on Gamecocks podcast.